0: Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen and welcome to episode number 21 of Painting the Corners with Anton Schindler brought to you by 90.5 KCSU. In the last episode we recapped the 2021 opening day and went over all the fun stats that came out of the U.S. government recognized national holiday. We also talked about some of the craziest and most historic opening days of all time as well and compared this year to the opening days before it to see if it could get added to this all-time list. But, above all, we talked about the decision to move the All-Star game to Coors Field, which honestly still puts a smile on my face every time that I hear it. But this week's episode is going to be quite a bit different than that. This episode is going to be more of an appreciation podcast for Easily one of the most important players on the baseball field, the catcher. So let's get into it. I want you to imagine that you're a catcher for a second. You're cramped in a little box between a 6 foot 4 inch, 220 pound hitter swinging a hard ash wooden bat and an umpire that's directly behind you. You're constantly terrified that a base runner will slide into you or you'll get hit with a foul ball or even a bat for that matter. But you stay in that position, squatting just a few inches above the ground for a full three hour, nine inning game, hoping that the game probably won't find its way into extra innings. On top of that, you have to be the spokesperson for the team, giving out signals to players, to the pitcher, of which you have to remember hundreds of intricate hand movements. And to top it all off, You have to catch a 90 plus mile per hour concrete and rubber filled missile hurtling at your chest, sometimes with movement that causes the ball to drop, move to the side and corkscrew its way to the strike zone. Oh, and did I mention that if you or the pitcher makes a mistake or you drop a ball or let a wild pitch get past, that the outcome of the game depends entirely on you? Yeah, catchers really are a different breed. I mean seriously, catchers truly amaze me. I remember playing a single game as a catcher when I was a kid, and I had enough trouble just picking up the ball as I squinted through the cage masks that catchers have to wear. I mean not to mention picking up the ball coming at you at a million miles an hour where you have to make thousands of decisions in an instant, and keeping your eye on that run on first base who's starting to take a bit of a dangerous lead. Now, it's important to note that a lot of catchers aren't really known for their bats. I mean, sure, there are a few that stand out, but it's always the incredible defense that these catchers have that is way more important to the team. I think it's even more impressive when you get a guy in the MLB that has been a professional-level catcher for longer than most other players in the MLB play. The first still active, by the way, player that comes to mind, is Yadier Molina. Now, Yadi is possibly one of the greatest MLB catchers of all time, and has played 18 seasons, racking up 9 All-Star appearances, 9 gold gloves, 4 platinum gloves, a silver slugger, and 2 World Series rings. And what about Johnny Bench, who had 17 seasons under his belt? Bench found himself with a Rookie of the Year award, two MVP awards, a Hall of Fame career, and he even had hands that were big enough to hold seven baseballs (laughs) at a time. Seven. But here's the thing with Johnny Bench. I mean, yes, his defense was absolutely incredible, of course, which is shown by his, you know, 10 Gold Glove Awards, but his offense was even more unbelievable. You see, Johnny had 389 career home runs and had two seasons where he clobbered 40-plus home runs as he became a really rather essential feature in the Big Red Machine that we've mentioned in a few episodes. Not only that, but, I mean, he was in the All-Star Game 14 of the 17 years that he played. He was really, really good. And speaking of really, really good, and kind of writing off of that idea of Incredible career longevity, it would be unfair to continue this list without mentioning one of the craziest and quirkiest players to ever play the game of baseball. Yogi Berra had unbelievable charisma, and he quickly coined hundreds of yogiisms, as they call them, that are still really being used today. For example, it ain't over till it's over, or baseball is 90% mental, the other half is physical. And so on and so forth. Yogi Berra will always be remembered for his malaproisms in quotes, but never as much as people remember him for his incredible career. The five-foot-seven catcher, and outfielder for that matter, from New Jersey, played 19 seasons in the big leagues and earned himself enough World Series rings to fit every single one of the fingers on both of his hands. Not only that, but he made 18 All-Star games, while he continued to collect 3 MVP awards. And, in the 19 seasons that Yogi played, he went perfect in the field for 1,389 innings, and only dropped below a 900 fielding percentage once in his career in the outfield, when he was 34, mind you. Not only that, but Yogi had 2,150 hits, 358 career home runs and a career 285 batting average and a postseason batting average of 274 with 71 hits in 39 RBIs by the way to be fair it's quite a big sample size for Yogi Berra but I don't know about you but for me at least it really makes your knees just hurt thinking about all of these catchers doesn't it? I mean, sure, knee savers are a thing, but I can't recall a lot of major league catchers that actually use knee savers. Injury is just another thing that the catchers have to deal with, like any other player, of course, but, I mean, it's really just going to happen. It's a very injury-prone position, without a doubt. I've seen plenty of instances of fracturing fingers from a foul ball that was hit off of them, or sometimes a catcher will get caught with the backswing of a hitter and, well, get a bat to the back of the head, for lack of a better way of phrasing it. Or even more serious injuries than that. Buster Posey comes to mind thinking about these horrible injuries and, honestly, the pure toughness that it takes to be an MLB catcher. Buster Posey has played 12 years in the MLB and is still going and boasts incredible hitting with incredible defense. He has three World Series rings, six All-Star Game appearances, the Rookie of the Year title, an MVP award, a gold glove, four silver sluggers, and a batting title all to his name. He was the San Francisco Giants' go-to catcher when they needed a clutch hit or a quick save to help a pitcher get out of a jam. Just three years into his career, however, Posey got absolutely trucked at the plate. Because at the time, it was still a, well, quote-unquote, legal move before it was just completely outlawed from the sport just three years later. Posey suffered a concussion, a broken femur, and three torn ligaments in his ankle. And a few little other scrapes and bruises here and there that brought forth surgeries that pretty much kept him out for the rest of the season. Now, usually, such an injury to, really, anyone could scare a baseball player into early retirement, as you can imagine. But for Buster Posey, it was really just the start. The very next year, Posey hit a career-best 336 a total, by the way, that led the entire major leagues that year, and earned his MVP award then. Since then, he's been rock-solid for the Giants, continuing to smash his way to a career 302 batting average. And... I think that Buster is a perfect example of just how unbelievably tough catchers really are. I mean, you really don't see catchers out on the I.L. for very long, as they're always just eager to continue to help their team in any way that they can. And speaking of home plate collisions, what about the altercation between Pete Rose and the then up-and-coming Cleveland Indians product Ray Foss? Well, this one, unlike Posey's injury, happened in the bottom of the 12th inning of the 1970 All-Star Game. <laughs> That's right, this was an exhibition game, and it still happened. On a close play at the plate, Rose crashed into Fossey as he went to guard the plate and ended up fracturing and completely separating the shoulder of Fosse. <laughs> but even Fossey continued to play 12 seasons in the MLB, getting another All-Star appearance afterwards two gold gloves, and two World Series rings before he retired for good. He never really excelled at the same pace that he was after the collision, but even he continued to play consistent enough baseball that he was able to stay in the league for quite a while afterwards. A lot of catchers will end up transferring to a different position as they get older and their knees start to go due to injuries and all kinds of stuff like that. A good example of this is Joe Mauer. Joe Mauer, who, by the way, is one of my favorite catchers of all time, honestly up there with Buster Posey, played for 15 years in the MLB, 11 of which he was the starting catcher for the Twins. Now, in that time, he became one of the best hitting catchers baseball has ever seen. He led the major leagues in batting average twice and the American League three times. He won the MVP award once and picked up five silver sluggers and three batting titles. And that was the reason that the Twins decided that maybe it was better for him to move out of that catching position and give it to a much younger person with a lot younger knees and just put him at first base instead. Because after all, he was still a plenty consistent hitter, so they might as well keep him on the team and not force him into retirement. And that kind of happens a lot As you see catchers get older and older, especially if they're a good hitter like Joe was. There is no doubt that catching is one of the hardest, if not the hardest, position to play in baseball. Now, although catchers wear some padding, they're not all protected. I mean, it's common that catchers lose toenails and fingernails from balls hitting their feet and hands, or even worse, getting a ball well, below the belt, so to speak. You usually have to deal with two or three new pitchers per game, and you have to change up the game plan every time there's a new situation, whether it be another runner on base or bases loaded, that kind of thing, or if there's a pinch hitter that just came into the game to hit for the pitcher or whatnot. You're also catching 120, 130-plus pitches a game while all in that squatting position, which you have to pop out of to catch a fly ball or back up a throw to first and really just about everything. There's a really good article out there that I remember reading about Buster Posey and how he trained himself in college to become a better catcher because in college at Florida State University he started out as a shortstop and a relief pitcher that actually had a pretty good fastball by the way. But the way that Posey did it is that when he would watch baseball games on TV he would squat the entire half inning that the team that he was rooting for was on the field so he wouldn't stop squatting until the end of the inning (laughs) so by building up the fatigue and the muscles to do that for as long as the 10 to sometimes 20 minutes at a time Posey was able to get used to doing that all game every game I mean a major league baseball starting catcher is looking to catch at least 130 games per season or more, somewhere around there. That's a lot of time to be really at the top of your game and have the utmost best reactions on the field. And I kind of alluded to it before, but as a catcher, you have to control the entire game. I mean, it's the reason that so many ex-catchers like Joe Girardi and Mike Sosa become managers after their careers are over. They have a good idea of the pitching, the hitting, and fielding facets of baseball and understand how to run a team based off of that knowledge. But from when I used to play baseball to just watching it now, I still have the utmost respect for catchers. It's a really challenging thing to do and is often not a recommended position for many baseball players as they develop and grow. But for the few that can, this appreciation podcast is for you. So next week's episode, we're going to have a little bit of fun once again and talk about some of the history behind iconic baseball food and try and get a history of some of the snacks we get before we sit down to watch a game of baseball. Thank you for listening.